Hello and welcome to the Alligator Podcast, where we break down the latest news from the University of Florida, Gainesville, and around the state. I'm Valeria Antonchuk at the Independent Florida Alligator. In this episode, we're bringing you a closer look at a local pro-Palestine protest as people in the Gainesville community weigh in on the Middle East conflict, an issue sparking controversy down to its title as a conflict. This episode was recorded on Saturday, May 22nd at 12.30 p.m. Let's get to the news. Violence in the Middle East has drawn worldwide attention, prompting some protests nationwide, including here in Gainesville. A ceasefire between Israel and Palestinian militant group Hamas began early Friday, and that came following more than 10 days of violence, including airstrikes and militant fire. According to the New York Times, at least 230 Palestinians and 12 Israelis were killed in the fighting. Before the ceasefire, hundreds of protesters here in Gainesville demonstrated their support for Palestine Wednesday evening. They chanted free Palestine and said the situation should not even be called a conflict. It is not a conflict. It is genocide. It is ethnic cleansing. And again, it is apartheid. Also present were some counter-protesters voicing their support for Israel. They expressed concern over a rise in anti-Semitism. The Alligator's Makaya Seminara is reporting on this story and she joins me now. Makaya, thank you so much for being here. So to start off, can you give us a little background on the situation in Israel and Palestine? Yeah, so currently um, we've entered into our second week of violence um, between the Israelis and Palestinians. Uh, specifically Hamas, you know, has engaged in the violence of the Israeli military. You know, as you said um, before, there's been a ceasefire. So the violence has stopped. But what led up to this, uh, according to numerous news outlets, is two factors. There's the Sheikh Jarrah uh, neighborhood evictions, where um, there were several Palestinian families who were slated to be evicted out of their homes. And that, you know, caused a lot of um, counter movement against that. There was also violent clashes between um, Palestinians and Israeli police uh, within and outside the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Um, So there was just a coalescence, I guess, of um, significant holidays for both sides. And so when this violence was occurring, it just kind of, you know, cascaded. And so these two things happening um, led to an ultimatum being made by Hamas and they fired rockets into um, Israel, which resulted in a retaliation of the Israeli military into Gaza with airstrikes. There's been over 4,000 rockets um, shot by Hamas. Um, The airstrikes by Israel, um, the latest number I have is over um, 1,400 in Gaza. Um, The death toll, there's at least 230 Palestinians um, from the last count that I got who have died. A lot of those women and children, according to Gaza health officials, that's disputed Um, on the Israeli official side. They said a lot of those are members of Hamas. So that's been something that's been disputed by both sides. Um, But it's undeniable that there have been, you know, a lot of people who have perished um, in Gaza. And then there's also been 12 Israelis who have been killed as a result of Hamas rockets. And another number that I think is significant is that 90,000 Gazans have been displaced from their homes through all of this. So tell us a little bit about the reporting on the crisis here in Gainesville. What's going on locally? 
Yeah, so um, on Wednesday, there was a protest, the Solidarity with Palestine protest. Um, it was put on by Students for Justice in Palestine and the Gainesville Solidarity Network. Um, they got over 200 protesters there, um, and it went on for about two hours. It was, it went on really long, you know, people were chanting all night. There was an open mic session where the protesters could speak directly to the crowd. Um, we had Palestinian demonstrators speaking about their experiences. Um, we had people delivering poetry that they had written for the protest. There was protesters who got up and were singing their national anthems. Um, there was just a lot of people from Gainesville who wanted to show out um, in support for the Palestinians. And there was a point where there was a small group of counter-protesters who formed across the street. Tell us a little bit about the concerns that pro-Palestine protesters and then any counter-protesters really voiced during that event. Yeah, so at the um, Solidarity with Palestine protest, um, there was people there of all backgrounds, so they kind of were there for different purposes. I spoke with people who said, you know, I am part of a minority group and I'm here to show solidarity with those being oppressed because I know um, from firsthand experience what that's like. Um, there was Palestinian people there themselves who, you know, wanted to, you know, speak up for their people um, and, you know, wanted to bring attention to what's happening in Palestine. There were just a lot of people there for different purposes, but the main theme was, you know, to bring attention to what they were saying was an ethnic cleansing. They were saying that it was an apartheid um, and a humanitarian crisis. And speaking to the counter-protesters across the street, their concerns um, were that they viewed the protest as anti-Semitic. They believe that, you know, saying that you are anti-Zionist um, is equivalent to being anti-Semitic. So that was their concerns with the protests. They also didn't believe that Israel is in the wrong in the current crisis going on. So they wanted to voice their concerns about that. What were they really demanding with the protests? What did they kind of want to ask for and get out of that demonstration? Yeah, so there was a variety as well of solutions. I spoke specifically with protesters about you know, what in their eyes is the solution to this issue, but also what they want to see out of UF. There was a lot of demands for UF as well, since there was a lot of students there. Specifically with UF, um, it was pretty much a general consensus that they wanted a statement out of UF. UF hasn't made a statement so far. Also on both sides, um, the counter-protesters kind of echoed the same sentiments. They also wanted, you know, UF to say something. So that's been a you know, something agreed upon on both sides on this. There was also mention um, specifically from some of the protesters uh, on the um, pro-Palestinian side that uh, they want to see a divestment from, um, you know, funding. Yeah, that was just what some of the protesters said. And then um, as far as general concerns and solutions they want to see, some people, um, I spoke with the president of Students for Justice in Palestine, um, and she told me that she just wants to see the enactment of international law. Um, she wants to see the Palestinian people no longer oppressed. Um, and that was the answer that she gave me. Other people, you know, mentioned regaining land and things of that nature. They didn't really go into that too much. Um, I don't really know the extent of the land that they want back, but that was something that was also mentioned by some of the protesters. 
as far as the um, pro-Israeli side, um, the solutions that I got were just, you know, their main concern was anti-Semitism. So I think that they just, you know, don't want to hear anti-Zionist um, rhetoric because they, they um, said that it's equivalent to anti-Semitism. As far as, um, you know, also next steps um, in general, whether that be internationally or locally in Gainesville, I know that Students for Justice in Palestine has continued to um, post on their social media, um, you know, even in, in light of the recent ceasefire. One of their posts actually said, um, ceasefire, okay, now cease colonialism, cease apartheid, cease blockades, cease segregation, cease blocking the right of return of refugees, cease home demolitions, cease displacement. Until then, it's a temporary ceasefire and full-time cease peace. So that was something that they reposted on their story. Um, so although it is good news that the ceasefire is happening, um, at least from what I've seen on the pro-Palestinian side, um, there are definitely still demands and steps they want to see taken. Is there anything else we didn't touch on that you think is really important to know about the situation and the reporting that you're doing? Yeah, um, so I'd just like to touch on an event that happened two hours prior to the Solidarity with Palestine demonstration. Um, and it was put on by UF Hillel, which is an organization for Jewish students on campus. And they brought in a journalist um, with the Jerusalem Post to give um, a briefing on what is happening in Israel. And that had about 60 participants um, attend via Zoom to listen to the lecture and also participate in a Q&A session. The uh, journalist's name is Gil Hoffman. And he just spoke about what he's been seeing in Israel as a journalist. He brought up the way that it's being portrayed in the media sometimes is inaccurate. It did lead to a lot of discrepancies from what I've heard from the protest. So it was very clear after attending both of these events that both sides, you know, don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. And um, something that I found significant that he said was um, there was a moment in the event where a student asked him if it's possible um, to be both pro-Israel and pro-Palestine. And his response to them was that people are people and we want to help people on both sides of the border. And I think that was a significant quote by him to pull. So um, just something else that I wanted to highlight on UF's campus. Um, you know, with all this talks of are you pro-Palestinian, are you pro-Israeli um, in this crisis, there are academic sites on campus where you can go and learn about this in a neutral space, um, specifically the Isser and Ray Price Library of Judaica. You know, it's devoted to displaying the Jewish experience, but it possesses 3,000 items specifically relating to Palestine. Um, and 50,000 on Israel. And the purpose of the library isn't really to take sides. So if you want to take, you know, the extra step to educate yourself about, you know, what's going on, um, I think that's a great spot on campus for you to, you know, look into research material um, and learn from those. Thank you, Micaiah. As always, you can read the full story at alligator.org. 
have some pretty significant news coming out of the University of Florida this week following updated guidance from the CDC allowing fully vaccinated Americans to go maskless in most indoor and outdoor settings, though that is still subject to local mandates and institutions' individual rules. The university announced it will no longer require masks, part of the transition to pre-pandemic operations. In a university-wide email sent May 17th, the university announced masks would be made optional for students, faculty, staff, and guests on UF property. The email stated masks were still recommended for those not fully vaccinated against COVID-19, citing CDC guidance. Also important to note, some facilities like UF Health Hospitals, dentistry, and veterinary facilities will still require masks. The new guidance came into effect immediately, and as UF approaches the summer B semester beginning June 28th, campus activity is expected to go back to pre-pandemic operations. UF Health will continue offering those COVID-19 vaccinations, and UF Health experts recently estimated about three-quarters of UF students have been vaccinated. That reporting comes from the alligators Alexandra Harris and Juliana Ferry. Alexandra also reports the new COVID-19 policies at UF were met with both excitement and apprehension from different stakeholders in the university community. She says she spoke to some students who said they learned better through those in-person lectures and expressed hope for a positive transition back to pre-pandemic operations. Other groups like Graduate Assistance United, however, demonstrated significant concern over the announcement. Graduate Assistance United is a union representing UF's graduate employees. Alexandra reports the co-president of the UFGAU chapter said she had lingering concerns about her health and safety on campus and said the university's decision was made without consulting the labor union or considering its members' concerns. As always, read these stories and more at alligator.org. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, follow the podcast on Spotify and keep up with the independent Florida Alligator on Twitter at The Alligator. You can always keep up with the latest news and subscribe to our newsletter at alligator.org. I'm Valeria Antonchuk and this is The Alligator Podcast. Have a great week.